Uh, if you will turn to the book of 3 John, 3 John. Uh, we're going to look at, I've titled this message, uh, A Measure of Health. And, and what I hope that we will discover through this account is a description or the elements of what constituted health or not. Uh, but before we dive into it, let's read the letter and, and then we'll um, consider, consider this uh, uh, briefly as we go through it. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, every one of them. As we begin to look at this, this brief uh, epistle uh, this morning, uh, I'd like to, to begin with that, the first section there and the, the introduction, which is a prayer that John is, is communicating uh, towards, towards Gaius. He says in verse two, I pray that all may go well with you. So his, his first prayer is for his, his well-being, his well-being. Now, many translations use the word, and, and yours may have this in here, uh, the word prosper. And so your, your translation may have a form of the phrase that says, I pray that you may prosper in all things. So it, it's important to understand what John is, is saying here and that he, he is praying that all aspects of Gaius' life, all things, all his endeavors, uh, that he may succeed and do well in, that he may remain strong and successful on the path that he is on. We, uh, just a brief note here that, that some may use this verse to try to connect uh, or use this in, in a sense of prosperity gospel. Uh, but that is not at all what John has in mind here when he says, I pray that all may go well with you. He, he's looking for that, that well-being, that, that there would be that stability and that contentment, that, that accomplishment in the path that God has for him. Now he continues on and says that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health. So he asks for his physical health. Again, 
this is a, a common request that we often engage in when we are praying or we are sharing requests is for, for physical health. I, I've heard some say that the John or that um, Gaius was sickly and, and, and that's why there's this request here. Uh, I don't know that that's substantiated or not. Uh, but either way, I, I, I think that this wasn't necessarily in respect to uh, his physical health and that he had a, a physical need at the moment but that, that John wanted his physical well-being to continue to be strong. Now we come to the last part of, of this prayer here, uh, of, the, of his request, and, and this kind of makes this a little bit of a unique introduction and prayer uh, from those that we custom, uh, are accustomed to in the New Testament. He says, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well for your, with your soul. So the measure or bar that John uses here to demonstrate the depth of his desire for him is the strength or health of his soul. And it's an interesting connection and an interesting connection to make. I think about, I think about this and I think, well, if, if people were praying for our success, if you will, on the mission field, is that connected to, if, they were, if you were praying that that would be connected with this, the strength of our soul, how successful would we be? How strong is is our soul. Now, I think we have to exercise some caution here as well because the, the degree to which some may be uh, tempted to associate or connect the physical and the spiritual. There are more and more these days who attribute sickness to spiritual inadequacy or weakness or a lack of faith, meaning that the lack of spiritual maturity and strength is the cause of illness. And, and while there may be some correlation, in some cases, as Paul references in 1 Corinthians 11, I think we must exercise great caution in, in approaching the text in this way. Sickness is a result of the fall. When sin entered the world and tainted God's perfect creation, that is how we have sickness. That is how we have infirmities. That's how we have all of the issues that are related to the fallen world. And so I think in, in, in this passage, we have to be careful not to move into the direction of, of saying that, that this, the health, the spiritual condition was what, was what um, John was connecting with respect to, to, to Gaius. And I, I, think, I think what John is saying is, it's just a simple comparison to say, your soul is strong. I pray that every other area of your life would be equally as strong. And we see that comparison here. And so what is it then, the rest of the, this, this that we're going to see here is, is the unpacking of that health. What was John considering healthy in the life of, of Gaius. And so we're, we're actually going to look, at, as the book lays out for us, three individuals. Three individuals. And as we consider those three individuals, I think we'll begin to see a, a, um, a thesis and an antithesis to this idea of soul health. So let's look. What do we know about Gaius? In verse one, he says, the elder to the beloved Gaius. Verse two, he addresses again, beloved 
referring to Gaius. Verse number five, beloved, again referring to Gaius. Verse 11, beloved, do not, we have this, this, these multiple uses of beloved in addressing Gaius and they are an affirmation and a reminder of the nature of their relationship. When you get into an intimate relationship with somebody that for the first time, you usually never forget it. I remember when uh, the, the, the first time that I had this experience, Kathy and I were on a, a field, a different culture, and we were walking together uh, and, and there were some nationals with us and one of them reached over and grabbed my hand and we just walked and held hands. Another scenario, I was, we were sitting in our home and a pastor came to meet, meet with us and, and he just, and we were sitting face to face and he just reached over and he put his hand on my hand, which was on my leg, and, and we just sat there and talked. The, the expression of closeness and intimacy that comes in relationship is, is this idea of what's being communicated here through, through the term, the address that he's saying, beloved. And this communicates a connection of intentional relationship. It's the relationship that provides the opportunity for encouragement, for comfort, for joy, for correction, for warning, for all of these elements that are crucial to walking a Christian, a faithful, a faithful Christian life. And so we see the intimacy of this letter that John, that the apostle John, the last of the apostles alive, is writing to, to Gaius. Now, what is the basis that he says here for this intentional, intimate relationship? He says, whom I love in truth. The basis of this relationship is truth. Truth is what connected them initially and continually. It's the truth that comes from the gospel and the life transformation, the new creation, if you will, to quote Paul. This is the beauty of Christ. And what we see taking place in the book of Acts with the, 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 uh, the, 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 new, the beginning of the New Testament church and the equalization of, of people with different backgrounds and different statuses, whatever category of, uh, that humanity may impose, Christ removes all of those. You know, I think we, we kind of experience this a little bit more on the mission field in that uh, the field where we serve with the, uh, the hospital ministries, uh, radio ministry, theological education ministry, uh, school for uh, blind children uh, ministry, um, so many different uh, types of, of ministries. And, and so we receive many different short-termers who come and, and participate uh, in the ministry alongside of uh, those on our team for, for a short period of time. And th these are people that we would never really connect with. I mean, I, I was thinking one of the, the, the times I, I was flying with, um, with a doctor from the Cleveland Clinic who had come out and uh, was spending, um, uh, oh, I don't know, was spending usually two or three weeks uh, working at the hospital. And so we were flying and I was telling him that we were gonna be home on furlough and, and my family's in Pennsylvania, not too far from the Cleveland Clinic. And he says, oh, why don't, when, let me know when you're there. Uh, we'll go out on my boat and we'll go fishing. And, 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 I, just, and I just stopped and I, and I was thinking about that. I said, that, that is the body of Christ. That is the beauty of what, how Christ enables us to relate one with, uh, one with another. Uh, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. 
this idea of, of, of truth. He continues on, for I rejoiced greatly, verse number three, when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. I, I think this is a phenomenal passage or a phenomenal verse. Uh, and I just want to, uh, with this double reference to truth and its connection to, to, to Gaius, I don't think there was any doubt that Gaius' life was built upon uh, truth. I, I just want to make a couple of comments about truth in a general way. In order for truth to be known, it must be proclaimed taught, presented, at some point, a person needs to come in contact with the truth. And so there has to be the proclamation of it, the presentation of it. Some way, somehow, each of us has come in contact with the truth. But that's not enough. In order for truth to be understood, it must be studied or learned. There has to be time invested in, in, in understanding it, in studying it. However, for truth to become personal, it must be then believed. You can study a number of things. You can understand a lot of things, but you may not believe it. And then for truth to be effective, it must be lived out. It must be productive. And I, and I look at, I use this as, as one of the gauges for ministry uh, in, in the time we spend with nationals and presenting and sharing and doing Bible studies and, and, and having them come alongside for different ministry, uh, ministry engagements and endeavors. Uh, really what I look at is to say, when they come face to face with an element of culture that carries with it an expectation, how are they going to respond? And for us, where we are in our place, one of the biggest events is funerals. And I believe I've shared this with you before. I look at the, at, at the, the life and say, how are they going to respond in this funeral situation? Because culturally, with the funeral, there are a, a series of expectations with relationship to engaging fetishers and witch doctors to protect themselves and to protect and to please the spirits and the souls of those who are uh, departed in the, in, the, in the past. And so to not engage in those is really a demonstration of, of where their heart is. That they now are demonstrating the truth of what Christ means and has done in their life and the authority and the power that he, that he holds. And John says, the greatest, there's no greater joy that my children are walking in truth. The greatest testimony that we can have and the greatest joy that we can bring to our spiritual mentors and leaders is to walk consistently and daily in the truth. I think that merits a moment of reflection on our lives. Are we walking consistently on a daily basis in the truth? In this passage, there's an inseparable connection then, I think, between, uh, and, and I think you can see this if you study 1 John and 2 John as well, and now we see the same theme in 3 John, the inseparable connection between love and truth. And this book demonstrates, or this book, this book teaches that truth, 
demonstrates in love. That, that the, the, um, the example or the demonstration of truth is displayed through acts of love. And, and these, are, these are the essential elements that need to exist for there to be a healthy soul. So if we continue on in verse number five. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified of your love before the church. You will do well to send them on, your, on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Gaius is commended for his efforts for the brothers. And these, this is the testimony that was given in verse, uh, in verse three, that the brothers went back and they testified. Now, what did Gaius do? Well, he said, beloved, this is a faithful thing you do for all your efforts for these brothers, these brothers. These were people that, um, uh, that, that were Christ followers. They, they could have been itinerant preachers. Uh, they could have been teachers, leaders. Uh, I think what we could do is we could sum it up to say missionaries. They were, they were early church missionaries. And, and who were they? Well, John says they were strangers. He didn't know them. They didn't have that intimate relationship that, that John and he had. And so they, these were strangers that were coming in. And that while well, it says here, it says uh, it was a faithful thing you do in all your efforts. It doesn't elaborate on what those things were. Uh, but I think back to, to Acts 27 and, and, and Paul is beginning his journey to Rome and after the first leg of the journey, uh, he, he's, they, they come into their first port and, um, uh, and the centurion lets him go to his friends to be cared for. And, and I think it's that same idea uh, that, that they were, he was caring for them. They were meeting their needs. They were encouraging them and they were, they were helping them in whatever way they could. I, I think we can recall what Jesus taught about showing hospitality throughout the gospels. Uh, and in, in Matthew chapter 10, verses 40 to 42, where he taught, he who receives you receives me and he who receives me receives him who sent me. And he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever in the name of these disciples gives to one of, the, of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. So he's encouraged and challenged here. Uh, to, he's commended for his, his faithful care given, but he is commended or he's encouraged then to continue that. You will do well, the end of verse six. You will do well to send them, forecasting out what's coming, to, to continue to faithfully uh, send them out on their journey in a manner worthy of God. Why? Verse seven, for they have gone out for the sake of the name. For the sake of the name. If we, if we think back through the New Testament and the importance of the name, there, there should be many things that come to, uh, to mind. This is the, the name above all names. At whose name one day, what will happen? Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the name by which if we confess, we will have forgiveness and receive salvation. John is commending Gaius for receiving and he's encouraging them to continue faithfully. Now I do wanna briefly uh, jump back to 2 John, 
just to provide a little bit um, of contrast in that, in that it's not healthy to accept and receive everybody. We see this taking place in, in 2 John in verses uh, 6 through 10. It says, and this is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment just as you have heard from the beginning so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Now, this is what I want us to notice in verse 10. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Important elements to note. The discernment that we have to have, that we must practice. In 2 John this was not practiced well. And he's giving warning to not welcome to the family that was welcoming these. In 3 John, he's commending for those who have received. Verse number eight. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. This is a verse that supports exactly what Pastor Brandon was just saying about your endeavors. You become fellow workers, partakers, participants, co-heritors, receiving alongside those who you've received, whom you've received, the reward that they will receive. That's what Christ taught in Matthew chapter 10. That's what John is saying here uh, in, in verse number, in, in 2 John, in chapter, or, or uh, in verse 11, on the opposite side. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. What you are supporting, who you are engaging with, who you are partnering, partnering with, are in partnerships with, that, that those are the people that you are engaged with side by side. It's much more than financial the prayers that you have, the, 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 the encouragement. And, and I just want to take this moment to express from my family and, and myself our heartfelt gratitude, the depth of our gratitude and appreciation for you. You have ministered to us in tremendous ways this furlough, opening, opening your home, allowing us to use the vehicle, in, inviting us into your homes, giving us opportunity per, to participate in, in, in the events of the body and fellowshipping and, and worshiping together. This, this, is the, this is the idea. Now, hospitality today is different than hospitality was. The, the practice of it, it may, may take different shapes and different forms. But this is what, this is what you are engaging in. And, and, I, and I think in some ways that, that this is a reflection also. We can use this principle in thinking about our faith promise and, and our, in our financial giving, in our prayers and how we are engaging and doing battle on behalf of, those, uh, of each other and of others who are serving uh, around the world. 
you are fellow workers of the truth, and, and we, we just want to say thank you. I, I, it, that doesn't do it justice, but we, we are so grateful. There are many times that you will never know about that Kathy and I can look at each other and that we can say, we would not be here but for the prayers of, of you and those others who are lifting us up. Now, perhaps we should end there. I'm, I'm about out of time, um, but, and, and that's a positive note because the next point is extremely negative. So I'll try to go through it really quick, uh, but, but we have to continue. Um, he, he says in verse number nine, I, I have written something to the church and now we move to Diotrephes, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. Oh boy. He likes to put himself serve. Here we have a, a, a self-serving power monger. And, and I think I just want to point out in this that, that he likes to put himself first. This is the same word used in Colossians, as the same root there in Colossians 1 verse 18, which refers to Christ when it says, he is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything, the preeminence. This is what Diotrephes had. He refuses to acknowledge the authority of the apostle John, uh, let alone other authorities. I've written something to the church um, and, and he, he refuses. He refuses to accept that. One commentator said, Diotrephes loveth, who loveth to have the preeminence. That is the essential violation of love. For love seeketh not her own. He was not submissive to authority. As, it, as is always the case, the unsubmissive one becomes the greatest tyrant. And thus, by disobedience, he manifests his lack of love. Again, we see the connection there between truth and love. Well, he, he engages in a bunch of abominable acts that are contrary to truth and love uh, in, um, in rejecting authority in verse 9. In verse 10, he talks wicked nonsense. He slanders, he gossips, he lies, he tries to undermine and destroy the word of the apostles and the teaching. He refuses to welcome the brothers. He prevents others from welcoming the brothers. He throws people out of the church when they accept the brothers. So while, while many churches may have these types of people in them, they, they, they can't be tolerated. They, these, this is the type that will destroy the church. Why? This is the attitude. This is the perspective. Because as we've seen, this person tries to take the position of preeminent, preeminence, of first place. And there is only one who can fulfill, who can fill the role of first place in the church, and that is Christ. There is only one who can fulfill the place of first in your marriage, and that is Christ. There is one, only one who can fulfill and place that position, have the position of first place in your life, and that is Christ. And if Christ is not in that position, then you are placing yourself in that position. Diotrephes is a very controlling, self-promoting, and self-important person. Oh, he'd probably give the counselors a field day trying to figure him out. So John gives a summary statement in verse 11. Beloved, 
Do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. A very straightforward challenge and summary of John's instruction to Gaius. Persevere in what is good because it is that those are the good works that God ordained beforehand, Ephesians chapter two. Okay, last we have Demetrius. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. So he had a good testimony from the community. Oh, he also says, uh, and we, yeah, and we know that our testimony is true. So he had a good testimony in the community. Demetrius's truth was on display, his life, it was displayed in his life. The two matched up, what he said and what he did were consistent with the truth he proclaimed and what he believed. It was productive. He had a good witness from the truth. It was evident, it shows, it reinforces his, his character and his testimony. And then John uh, and the brothers gave testimony to that as well. So the challenge that John is giving uh, to Gaius here is to not let the intimidation, not let the threats or the actions of the self-proclaimed preeminent controller, not to give in to those, to not let those intimidate him, but to continue faithful in the support and service of those who are going forth for the sake of the name. There is another who is coming and perhaps Demetrius, there's the challenge forward and perhaps it was Demetrius who gave him this letter, I don't know. But it was an opportunity for them to continue. You as a church are gonna have another opportunity real soon. We're gonna be going back to the field and you have another one who has spent many, much time here serving with you, alongside of you, with Mark and Dana. And you have an opportunity once again to practice what John is, is teaching to Gaius and encouraging him and how they are ministering. All right, let me leave you with six takeaways. I'm just gonna state them. I'm not going to elaborate on them. I'll finish up here. Uh, six takeaways. One, the measure of health is love and truth and how they are manifested in one's life. Love, truth, displayed. That is the measure of health. How healthy are you? Okay, I said I wasn't gonna expound. Truth is what binds believers together. If we don't have a common truth, we will have trouble connecting and, 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 and having those intentional relationships. Three, truth demonstrates in love. And in this passage, the one, one of the ways of demonstrating or walking in truth is through, uh, through hospitality. Fourth, truth is the underlying factor in showing hospitality. Five, truth is not compatible with self-promotion or self-advancement and has no part in the church. Truth, which have no part in the truth. Self-promotion and self-advancement, there's no place for that in the church. And truth, because truth is not compatible with that. You can't have those practices and truth. And last, truth and its loving demonstration must faithfully stand up and persevere in the face of opposition. Lord, I wanna thank you for this body, for their love for you, for their, the demonstration of that love for others such, of our, such as ourselves. 
their commitment to missions, their commitment to outreach, their commitment to discipleship, their commitment to placing you in first place. There are challenges and there are difficulties. There are obstacles and there will be opposition. But may we heed the words of John this morning and faithfully persevere in the truth, walking daily in the truth that by our testimony, by our love, the world will know that we are your disciples. In Christ's name we pray, amen.